0: Section 10 of The Strange Visitation This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Strange Visitation by Marie Corelli Section 10 Again, a brief spell of semi-consciousness, a kind of waking nightmare in which many confused sights and sounds were intermingled flying visions of pale-worn faces full of sorrow and appeal, noises as of weeping, with stifled cries and sobs of pain. And then Josiah McNason opened his eyes widely to find himself lying flat on a narrow bed in the center of a rather large room. His head rested on a small, very hard pillow, and on this pillow squatted the goblin, with an air of being quite at ease. Here we are in a happy home, McNason, It chuckled softly in his ear. Don't worry. Don't agitate yourself. Keep quite calm. You will have every possible attention. Josiah stared helplessly about him. He saw his clothes neatly folded and placed all together on the top of a chest of drawers. His top hat was also a particularly conspicuous object on a chair close by. He realized that he had been undressed and put to bed. But how this had happened, he could not tell. He turned a miserable, questioning gaze on the goblin. What? What's this? he stammered. What are you going to do to me? I, and the goblin, with an injured air of perfect innocence, executed a diabolical French shrug of its shoulders. I'm not going to do anything to you, my dear sir. I wouldn't be so cruel. It is they. They are going to do something to you but all for your good oh hoo all for your good they who were they with painful hesitation josiah turned his eyes round about again and presently saw standing near him like dim figures in a blurred photograph two men talking confidently together one fairly young the other elderly while with them was a smart well set up rather perky looking woman attired in the conventional grey gown, spotless apron, and cap of the professional nurse. The elderly man's back was turned, but he seemed to be expounding some knotty point of argument to his companions, with particular emphasis and gusto. "'Something's gone wrong with the works, McNason, said the goblin confidently. "'That's what's the matter.' "'Works?' And Macnason's troubled mind immediately reverted to his huge factories. "'What works?' Your works, and the goblin leered at him sideways with a frightful grin, your internal works, and these two learned gentlemen are going to find out what it is. You're ill, you know. You're very ill. The learned gentlemen don't quite understand how or why you're ill, but they're going to find out. They're going to slice you up and see what you're like inside. It will be most interesting and instructive to the learned gentlemen. It won't interest you at all because you're to be put under chloroform, and you won't know anything about it except when you come to. Then you will die, but that won't particularly matter. The operation is sure to be most successful. An operation is always successful, even if the patient never recovers. The medical profession must be safeguarded, you know. McNason heard and in an instant became a prey to the most violent access of nervous horror. ''I'm not ill,'' he said fiercely. ''There's nothing whatever the matter with me. How dare you say there is? It's all a mistake, an abominable mistake. I've never suffered any illness except gout and indigestion. Never. There's no operation needed for such ailments. What the devil do you mean by bringing me here?'' ''You will talk about the devil,'' and the goblin shook its tasseled cap at him reproachfully. Don't say I mentioned him first. You're ill, I tell you. You're more seriously ill than your old friend, Willie Dove. And you're here because you're ill. To this complexion must we come at last. Oh, Beelzebub, they don't know whether it's cancer or appendicitis with you. Look here, almost shouted Josiah, addressing himself to the two men who with the nurse still stood together talking, but who appeared not to hear him. Take me out of this place directly. I've been brought here on false pretenses. I'm not ill. I don't want an operation. I don't want to be operated upon. I'll, I'll... Here, exhausted, he sank back on his hard pillow, impotently clenching his hands in a paroxysm of rage and fear. The goblin grinned. Now, McNason, keep cool, it said. Don't show temper. Doctors don't like that sort of thing. They call it nerves, and they give you a soothing draught. Besides, these two eminent personages who are just now discussing your case can't hear you. And if they could, they wouldn't listen. One's a sir. He's a clever man, of course. Or he wouldn't be a sir. It's a little unpleasant that the title puts him on the same rank with any provincial mayor who has presented an address to the sovereign. But it can't be helped there's no suitable honour in this country for merely intellectual and scientific persons now about your case i've no case groaned the wretched millionaire no case at all you are a case declared the goblin a whole case in yourself a case of a man gone wrong a case of a human creature who has a stone in the place of where his heart ought to be a hard heavy stone without a pulse of love or kindness in it. A case? Oh, beelzebub, I should think you are a case. Sir Slasher cut him up, that's the broad-backed elderly gentleman over there, thinks you've got something malignant inside. Oh, hoo-roo-oo-oo, I should think you had. Sir Slasher believes it's cancer, but if it is, they'll never find it, McNason. No, your cancer's on the mind and they'll never cut that out. But they're going to have a good try. Josiah moaned helplessly. Sir Slasham cut up is a great vivisector, proceeded the goblin cheerfully. He knows where to find every little nerve and muscle in the body of a dog, for instance. I don't say your body is at all like that of a dog. I know your soul isn't half so honest or so faithful. Sir Slasher has had more than a hundred innocent animals under his scalpel. All poor trustful, good creatures, whom he has pinned and stretched in every possible position on his rack of torture, whose nerves he has severed, whose muscles he has galvanized, and whom he has killed as slowly, as ruthlessly, and as criminally as any Torquemada that ever roasted a heretic to the sound of sacred music. Hoo-roo! Sir Slasher knows a thing or two, I can tell you. He's a licensed murderer, of the harmless and helpless but even a dog's soul has a place in the eternal countings as sir slasher may find out to his cost when he becomes a member of our united emperor club he cut up a dog yesterday now he's going to cut up you you're a splendid subject for him you know you've got so much money again josiah moaned in a stupor of fear "'You've got so much money,' repeated the goblin, smacking its wide lips as though it were tasting something savory. "'And money's a great thing. Money has enabled you to come to this home, one of the most select homes in London. Oh, home, sweet home. Oh, happy, happy home. It's the special pet nursing home of Sir Slasher Cut-Em-Up, where he's got the matron and all the nurses under his big thumb.' Oh, hoo such a dear home. You pay five guineas a week for your room to begin with, and then when you're very sick, you pay ten. Afterwards, when you get worse and are likely to die, you pay fifteen. The nurse is extra. If you have two nurses, you have two extras. Everything apart from the room and the bed is extra. If you want a bottle of soda water, you pay sixpence for a split, nine pence for a full, and so on and so on oh what a dear comfy home there aren't many like it in london i can tell you only a few beautiful blessed few at this moment the personage whom the goblin designated as sir slasher cut him up finished his conversation with his younger colleague and both gentlemen smiled pleasantly not to say flirtatiously at the grey-gowned nurse twelve o'clock to-morrow will do very well said sir slasher "'We shall leave you to make all the preliminary arrangements, "'Nurse Dratamal. "'He's asleep just now, I see.' "'I'm not asleep,' gurgled Macnason feebly. "'But Sir Slasher apparently did not hear. "'He stood by the bedside, smiling blandly, "'his hands clasped behind him under his coattails. "'One of the richest men in the world,' he ejaculated appreciatively. "'Dear me, dear me, oh, well, well, has he any family?' "'None,' said Nurse Dratamaw. "'He had one son, I believe, who died in childhood.' She spoke primly, her lips opening and shutting on her words like a kind of mechanical valve. But while she spoke, she flashed her eyes at the younger doctor with a feline cajolery in their hard brown depths. "'Then who?' murmured Sir Slasher, thoughtfully. "'Who is to carry on his vast business concerns? Who is to inherit his enormous fortune?' No answer was forthcoming to this profound proposition. Sir Slasher thereupon removed his hands from under his coattails, and consulted his watch. I must be going, he said. You will attend to all that is necessary, nurse. Certainly, Sir Slasher. I shall bring Dr. Chocom off with me to-morrow, and I think, yes, I think, here he looked benevolently considerate, that taking into account mr McNason's great wealth and important position and er uh, also er uh, the very difficulty and uncertainty of the operation dr chokomoff's fee should be doubled he is one of our best anesthetists what do you say nurse sir slasher had a delightful smile and he was smiling delightfully now nurse ratemall responded to the charm of it there is no doubt that it is justifiably a case of double fees all round, she said, her own smile breaking into a giggle. Exactly, and Sir Slasher shed a fatherly glance upon her, and our young friend here, at this he laid a hand on his fellow surgeon's shoulder, our young and brilliant friend will also have an opportunity of displaying his skill and securing his reward. Of course, here he became portentously businesslike. It will be advisable to get the patient to sign the required checks in advance. There will be no difficulty about what I should imagine, because, you see, afterwards. Ah, afterwards, echoed the younger doctor, speaking for the first time. Sir Slasher tried to look grave, but failed in the attempt. Afterwards, he said pleasantly, The worthy millionaire may not be in a condition to sign anything. I think and he paused stroking his smooth double chin i think nurse he should be told that the operation is a grave very grave one in case these things sometimes happen in case he has not made a will or let us say in case he might wish to make some last testamentary gift to er to me or or to you or to anyone else who may have rendered him a service i'll see that he does all that he ought to do said nurse dratamaw with some severity i like my patients to be prepared for the worst quite right quite right murmured sir slasher but prepare him gently quite gently nurse by degrees and cautiously i have known cases where patients getting too much alarmed have made their escape from a home like this by jumping out of the window and strange to say they have some of them escaped uninjured, and stranger still, they have recovered and lived many years, most curious and remarkable, but nerves are unaccountable things. Here he paused and looked again at Macnason. He sleeps very soundly. I should say he was older than he admits. Oh well, well, we shall see, but I very much fear there's no chance for his recovery. Then why not spare the knife and let him live as long as nature will allow him? asked the younger doctor suddenly. Sir Slasher looked amazed and reproachful. My dear sir, I was called in by Mr. McNason, and I must do my best for such a very wealthy man. Besides, I think his is a very complex case, and likely to prove most helpful and instructive. Tomorrow at twelve o'clock, nurse, good evening. End of section 10